It is great to have each of you with us as a part of our Christmas uh, week. Uh, it is a little bit different for us. Obviously, the crowds tend to be a little bit lighter, and we didn't know what to expect this morning just because of the fact that I think some people are looking for a service where there are fewer people because uh, they're w worried about overcrowding and all of that stuff as well. So uh, anyways, for this morning's service, I am not the preacher today. Um, Jonathan is going to preach. Jonathan uh, has uh, come to us from Delaware, but he's been with us long enough that we consider him family. Jonathan just graduated from Southern Wesleyan University with a ministry degree, and he is now on staff here at the church as outreach and addiction recovery pastor. Uh, so Jonathan is going to bless us with bringing the word this morning. Why don't you come on up? Good morning, church. So I hope everyone had an amazing Christmas celebrating the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sure some of us are somewhat tired, but in a good way, from visiting with family or having family come and visit with you. So I say after this, we go home and take a nap, <laughs> a Sunday siesta. I'm, I'm, a, I'm what you call a pro-napper, so I'm for naps. Uh, my, uh, my fiance, Celia, so much is not. She's what I call an anti-napper. I give her a hard time about it. Um, but it's okay. We'll work through that in our wedding counseling sessions. So here's the thing. Just don't take a nap while I'm up here preaching, or I will call you out by name from this pulpit. I'm, ki I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <sighs> I do have a quick question. One last thing. How many of y'all got fruitcake as a present for Christmas? Oh, wow, good. Uh, I'd rather have a lump of coal than that nasty stuff. I feel like I did something wrong when somebody gives me fruitcake. You know, I feel like I, I did something bad to that person. They're like, it's like a punishment to me. So when they hand it to me, I instantly think, what did I do to deserve this? So I'm not sure if this is an unpopular opinion, but sorry, not sorry, fruitcake is disgusting. Now I got that off my chest, let's get into this, uh, to the word. It's, it's a blessing to be in the house of the Lord, amen? I don't know about y'all, but this is my favorite day of the week, personally. And today I'm going to talk about the only reason we are here, that's our Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to be in the book of Colossians today. So if you have your Bibles, go to the book of Colossians. We'll be in chapter 1. While I give you time to find it, I want to give an overview of the context of this letter. You see, the letter of Colossians was penned by the apostle Paul from one of his stints in a prison cell. Paul was imprisoned a few times for proclaiming the gospel and suffered much persecution for the name of Jesus Christ. You know, the baby we, that we just finished celebrating, right? The birth of. So Paul never visited the church of Colossae, and the church there was actually founded by a local Colossian named Epaphras. Epaphras was a convert in Christ by the ministry Paul had already provided. And now Epaphras comes to Paul in prison because he needed some help concerning some problems that were taking place in the church of Colossae. You see, there were people there that were being agitators and trying to hinder 
the point of sufficiency of Jesus Christ and his supremacy, his divinity. They were speaking against it and trying to challenge it. So Paul wrote this letter for the church of Colossae to address these serious problems. But that is my quick overview today of the book of Colossians, but I encourage you to read this whole letter when you get home. So actually, don't take a nap when you get home. Read Colossians first. So just track with me. I purposefully gave a quick overview of this book because, one, I did not have enough time to preach the whole book verse by verse as much as I wish I could. And two, I'm not doing a full series, so you probably won't hear me preach after this for a while. We already have someone here that gets paid full time to do that, so there's that. (laughs) Anyway, I'm going to be in chapter one. I'm going to start at verse uh, three. We're going to read three through six. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Whenever Paul shared the gospel with people. There was evidence of what we just read. If you read verse 6, there's two things they did. They heard it, and they understood it. So what is it? It is the gospel, right? You see, their lives showed proof that they understood the gospel. Because why? Because they were changed. The gospel and the word of God are not just merely informational. No, no, no. They are transformational. So I want to camp out here for a few. I want, you, I want you guys to grab a hold of what this really means. So here's what I think, sadly, in our current culture, a.k.a. American Christianity, is that many, many people have heard the truth, but they really don't understand the truth of the gospel. You see, what we just celebrated a few days ago on on Christmas was the birth, right, of Jesus Christ. But that's just the beginning of the story. God did send his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to be born as a baby. But do we understand what that means and who he, who Jesus Christ really is? Do we grasp that? Do we really grasp who Jesus Christ truly is? I want you to skip ahead a little bit to verses 15 through 20. I'm going to read them for us. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. 
For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Amen. So what we just read here is one of the strongest statements about the divinity nature of Christ found anywhere in the Bible. He is supreme. He is sufficient. He is our all in all, right? We sing it in our hymns. You know, the, some of you guys might know that song, all in all. I'm going to spare you and bless you guys. I'm not going to sing to you. You guys might be stampeding out of here, hitting the fire exits and everything else I start singing. So I want you to stay. But it is one of my favorites. But here's the thing. Do our lives reflect that we understand that? We hear it, we sing it, but do we truly understand it? You see, Christ is not just something that we get to add to our lives. He is life. He came as a baby. We just celebrated that. God incarnate, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. Amen? But the story doesn't stop there. It continues. And this baby grows up and lives a sinless, perfect life. The baby's name is Jesus Christ. He hung on the cross and died on the cross as the unblemished, perfect sacrifice because he loves us and suffered in our place for our sins. He carried every sin on that cross, every single sin, past, present, future, that we commit, not him, that we commit. He's completely innocent. But yet he was beaten, he was tortured, and he experienced one of, if not the most horrific ways to die ever. He was buried in the tomb and rose up on the third day, giving us access to the forgiveness of our sins and to be reconciled with God the Father. There's only one way, I repeat that, there's only one way to the Father in heaven. And that is through the Lord Jesus Christ, our King and Savior. So did you hear that? You may say, yes, Jonathan, I hear that. Okay, but do you understand that? If you answer yes, I understand that, then can you answer yes to this question? Do you believe that? Or how about this question? Can you answer yes, that your life reflects that? So keep reading, verses 21 through 23. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless, and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So go back up to verse 21 with me. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. You see, this is us. We were born into sin. 
alienated from God, actually hostile in our minds toward him, and it produces evil deeds. So you may be sitting here and you may think, well, that's not true. I'm a good person for the most part. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't cuss, I work, I pay my bills, I take care of my kids, whatever. But I want to ask, what standard are you drawing from? I mean, sure, if we compare ourselves to one another, which sadly a lot of Christians in the church do, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so, or I'm not as bad as this person or that person. I don't do this. I don't do that. Uh, uh, this person listens to this. I, you know, he watches that. So, and they're Christian, so it must be okay. See, here's the problem with that. We, we aren't called to compare ourselves with one another. Listen, if I sat up here and thought to myself, you know, compared to Adolf Hitler, I'm a pretty good guy. But realize this, when we are compared to a holy, perfect God, we are born exactly how verse 21 tells us, hostile, alienated, and full of wicked deeds. Romans 3.10 tells us, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. Here's the thing, next verse, 22. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. By the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and if we are in Christ, a born-again follower of Christ, guess what? We are now reconciled back to God. Holy and blameless before God. But wait. So go to verse 23. What's it say? It says, if, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So if we continue day in and day out to press on and pursue holiness in our lives, and we don't shift from the foundation of the one and only gospel, I'm not talking about this checklist Christianity, okay? Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about any works-based kind of religion. Paul tells us our works are filthy rags. But I am talking about is being planted and rooted in the word of God with our eyes and lives centered on Jesus Christ. By doing this, we will grow in holiness and bear fruit. Our lives, they will produce evidence that we have heard the truth, but catch this, and understood the truth. A life that produces holiness in us and through us. Now, I want to make sure that we understand that when we are born again and we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we are not left on our own to live a holy life. You see, when you are born again, the Holy Spirit of the Lord enters into us and enables us the ability to achieve a life of holiness. The Holy Spirit, along with the Word of God, will expose sin in us while also revealing Jesus Christ more and more to us. 
then it is through the miraculous power of Jesus Christ and our own will to believe, then we will gain an intelligent appreciation and understanding of just how wonderful the transformational life really is. John 3.30 tells us, he must increase, I must decrease. So I'm going to quote one of my favorite theologians of old, A.W. Tozer. And he says this, in every Christian's heart, there is a cross and a throne. And the Christian is on the throne till he puts himself on the cross. If he refuses the cross, he remains on the throne. So let's get off the throne and live a surrendered life to King Jesus. Maybe you're sitting here and, and you heard the truth, yet realize that maybe you don't fully understand the truth. Look, I've been there. And if I can give any advice, I'd like to offer some. If you are here right now and either don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you do but want to grow and live into the fullness of Christ, here's what I would like to say. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please don't wait. Look, this is very urgent. My prayer is that you will make that choice today and recognize the need for a Savior. And, a, and that Savior is our Lord Jesus Christ. So please don't leave here today without talking to someone. Myself, Pastor Mike, the rest of the staff, there's many people. Because I'm going to say this. Time waits for no one. Again, this is urgent. Secondly, I, I want to I talk about getting to discipleship. Come, call, and reach out to any of us out here on staff. Myself, Pastor Mike, Lee, Amy, Daly. I'm sure that any of us will be willing to help. If for some reason we personally are unable, then we will connect you with someone who can. Now this, if you have heard and understood the gospel, then you should already be making disciples. If not, I encourage you to find someone to help and guide you, to help and guide along in this journey. Listen, we need each other. I think of it like a chain, right? So here's a chain. We're all holding hands. Somebody should be pouring into your life. You should be pouring into somebody else's life. I think we can all agree that our country and this world need healing and hope of the salvation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? But here's the thing. Even so, we're talking about eternity, folks, not just our country or this world. We're talking about eternity. So let's get out there and let's go live it. Let's show the world Jesus Christ. Let's be the hands and feet. I'm not really much of a, you know, a New Year's resolutions type of person, but I know it's right around the corner. So if you want to talk about New Year's resolutions, I have two ideas for you. One, it's time to surrender your life and get off that throne and get on the cross. And two, Maybe you already decided to follow Jesus. Maybe you heard. Maybe you understand and believe it. 
but then you just let it stop there. Pursue discipleship, either get discipled or disciple someone, or actually both. That is a need that needs to be met. Amen? All right, let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you, Father, for giving us this gift that we get to come to your house and worship you and be in your presence, Father. We thank you for the redemption and salvation that your son, Jesus Christ, provided when he was hung on that cross and died a gruesome death for us, Lord. May we not take this haphazardly or one foot in, one foot out, Lord. You want us all or none. Lukewarm, you, you don't accept lukewarm Christianity, God. So I pray for us to just be on fire for you, to pursue holiness in our lives and the truth. I pray that we hear it and we understand it and we live it. So thank you, Father God. We, we love you. I pray this all in the name of your precious son, Jesus Christ, and through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you all for letting me share. Yes. Thank you. A couple of things. First of all, don't expect every Sunday to get out early. So Jonathan has not set the new standard. I just want to make that really clear. Uh, I do want to say part of the reason why it's appropriate for Jonathan to share that message, I know that we're all a work in progress, uh, but I've known Jonathan now for six years, is that about right, seven, seven years, and I've seen Jonathan when he was sitting on the throne. Um, I love seeing someone who has moved from the throne to the cross, to be able to see the difference that Christ makes in an individual's life. He's not just talking theory here. This is what we've actually seen and witnessed. And some of you have seen some of the changes that have taken place just over the last four and a half, five years since Jonathan's been here. And we celebrate that, but he's still a work in progress. Part of being on the cross, you can't just get off of it whenever you want. You're there to stay and you allow God to do that work in you. So Jonathan, thank you for being willing to share. I do want to just mention that we did not take up an offering this morning. Uh, part of the reason for that is because we're protecting people from COVID. So what we do instead is if individuals still want to give as an act of worship, uh, whether it's tithes or offerings or both, or maybe you got a little something beyond that that you want to give, you're allowed to do that. This is the end of the year. Uh, actually, on Thursday is New Year's Eve, so uh, basically individuals can still give up until New Year's Eve and still get your tax deduction for this year. Uh, but there will be buckets or uh, offering plates that will be at the back this morning as people leave. Uh, I see Corey standing out there, so just find Corey. Uh, he's got an offering plate, and individuals can come and just drop their offering in there. It is a privilege to have you worship with us, and we look forward to 2021. Not just because 2020 will be in the past, because the truth is, and we talked about it on Thursday night this past week, but God used the difficulty of 2020 often to cause us to depend more on him. So maybe the things that have come, maybe it's for our good. And maybe we ought to be celebrating the fact that we have had to walk some difficult days. Uh, lean more into Christ. I look forward to 2021. I will tell you the theme of Trinity Wesleyan Church for 2021 
is going to be Jesus Stories. Uh, it's, it's the opportunity for us to see individuals who were touched by God and their lives were changed, and it fits so well with what Jonathan is talking about today. So my hope is that's you. It is a privilege to have you with us today, and I hope you'll come back next Sunday uh, for an hour-long service. Nobody's thinking it'll be shorter than that. So thank you for being with us, and go in peace.